Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday. More importantly, Halloween. Happy Halloween to all of you out there. Hope you enjoy whatever you get into tonight or if you got into anything over the weekend. Love it. We got into a lot of fun NFL action uh, here in week eight. It was a great Sunday slate here to recap all of that action with me is the great Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Yeah, Halloween. Let's just establish it up front. Peanut butter cups, your 1.01. After that, you can go a lot of different directions. You know, your Snickers, your Kit Kat, you're never going to go wrong with those things. But the, the, the peanut butter cup is the clear, you know, the first the first pick of any Halloween candy draft as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Scott, even worse than some of my um, gaps in my movie viewing uh portfolio is probably my candy takes so um i'm not the biggest peanut butter fan in the world uh so i I disagree with you on that but i'm a i'm a i'm a basic and i love look i'm a basic and i love m&ms and my popcorn while i'm watching Mm -hmm. like while i'm watching a a marvel movie for the 15th time or james bond for the 15th time and not seeing some sort of classic uh film that that is just who i am what i am or watching some terrible tv show i never should have watched and we are everybody's a little different you you can't go wrong with popcorn you can't go i'm not I'm all for M&M's. I'm all for popcorn. I don't buy them together. That That's not my oh, thing. But but anyway, so uh, we'll get the new puppy. I'm curious to see how she'll handle Halloween because oh, yeah. she's uh, not she's not really a barker. The, the great Abby Bean is not a barker, but she doesn't seem to like people walking by our house. And obviously Halloween is exclusively <laughs> people walking by and at your house, you know, and also – the thumbs down, man, on Halloween's for little kids. You know, it's for five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and nine-year-olds. If if you can drive, if you can shave, if you're already actively dating, you're too old for Halloween, man. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't come to my house. It's for the little guys. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that take um, for sure. Listen, I don't need to be like having any anyone that's like, I don't know. Yeah, too old to, old to drive is a great one. I say even like maybe a little bit old, younger than that, right? Like I don't need you to come here to get candy. Go be doing like I don't know, sketchy stuff with your friends, whatever, whatever on Halloween. That's that's a that's what we'll say about that. But let's move into the the games here, Scott. 
49ers 31, Rams 14 is where we will start. This game was really fun. It was competitive for a while until the 49ers kind of broke the dam wide open. The highlight here is Christian McCaffrey in his second game, really his first full game with the team, uh, full week of practice with the team. He completes the touchdown trifecta. Hasn't been done since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005. He throws a touchdown, he runs for a touchdown, and he catches a touchdown. Um, he was worth all those draft picks and more on this particular afternoon. Yeah, three was a magic number. There are five different players who accounted for three touchdowns as of, um, I don't know what will happen Sunday night. Who knows? Maybe, you know, Diggs will get back into that category. But uh, McCaffrey, just, what well, what's there to say, right? We knew he's a special talent. It was a matter of how quickly could he get acclimated with the 49ers. He certainly looked comfortable today. So it's like, you know, if we were to redraft, he'd be the first, the second, the third overall pick, whatever, depending on how you feel about a couple of other guys. He's awesome. It was encouraging that other players still got in the fun, even in a game where McCaffrey dominated. Kittle yeah. bails out with a touchdown. Ayuk had a really good day. He caught the touchdown pass from McCaffrey. Like a moron, I picked the Rams in this game. It, just looking past the fact that Shanahan has owned McVay, I know obviously the Rams won the NFC Championship game last year, but Shanahan has dominated the series. And I thought, well, even though both teams are desperate, the Rams are coming in off a bye. If the Rams have anything left to say for their season, we're going to see it. And for about a half, I felt pretty justified. But in the second half, man, absolute doors blown off. And all the Rams' problems are still consistent here, right? I mean, they didn't really trust Daryl Henderson. They they dusted off Ronnie Rivers, gave him a chance. He had nowhere to go. The offensive line didn't play well. Cooper Cup had a solid game, not a great game by any means. And just about nobody else in this offense did much. I mean, we're at the point, we've lowered the expectations so much for Allen Robinson that five for 54 on seven targets. Hey, Hell yeah. Okay, Robinson, <laughs> Robinson double, double digit points in a full PPR, you know. Um, Tyler Higby was a disappointment, took a shot early in this game, uh, did miss a, a, a pass that probably would have gone for 30 or 40 yards, but I thought maybe he was in a good spot this week. He didn't do it. Stafford doesn't even get the six yards in attempt as the Niners defense starts to get healthier. So I felt like the Rams had to win this game. Now, granted, the Niners probably needed it just as much, but I RIP Rams season. I, I know the NFC is pretty weak, but other than Cooper Cup, I can't find anybody in this offense I, I want to play. No, I agree with you. Um, Van Jefferson returned uh, and, you know, ran around on about 64% of the dropbacks. Uh, so he was like a full-time player, didn't catch a pass. Um, and you know, look, that's just how this is going to go. You know, the Rams often, this is something that I like a lesson I have to reteach myself over and over and over again, because Sean McVay clearly is so connected in the media and, um, they do a great job of getting their message out there. Right. But there is even a point like during a bye week where, you know, Rams fans are like, okay, you're not going to be selling us on like Alaric Jackson. I, I'm probably messing, messing up his name. Uh, but Jackson, the new like starting left tackle for Joe Nopum, they're like gassing this guy up. Like they might've stumbled onto some gem because he was like halfway competent. The rest of the Carolina game after Nopum got hurt. Um, that's certainly not the case. And obviously we know the 49ers defense is very, very good. Um, I was obviously just, you know, from not a fantasy angle. Cause like, we know that that's not happening already, but it was like, this was a pretty good Allen Robinson day. Like he's made a couple of plays. Like he's at least like integrated into this offense, but being integrated into the 2022 version of the Rams offense is not that exciting, right? It's five for 54 on a really good day, like you said. So the Rams are what they are. Man, I, I definitely think the Christian McCaffrey stuff is going to be so interesting going forward because it, it is a set it and forget it with him, obviously. It's just how much like can other people eat if he's going to have this much of the backfield? And, you know, you and I talked about Debo last week. Obviously, he misses this game. Uh, the 49ers have a bye week next week, so it's going to be a while till we see everybody together but man you know we know that jimmy has a pretty quick like 
check it down uh you know time clock right in the in the pocket he wants to get that thing out of there and McCaffrey was just so useful on just little like routes out of the backfield boom immediately check it down to McCaffrey I think that is going to make things a little bit more difficult for guys like Debo um obviously Ayuk too when Debo is not there but we have seen Ayuk string together three really good games um and be super important so these other all these other guys are going to be very very volatile because I think this offense really is like going to be built around Christian McCaffrey, which is why they go and trade all those drafts. And it's a credit to, to Shanahan and the boys, too, like changing the offense midstream to just make it. I guess they're probably not changing the offense, but integrating a superstar in this type of way. Yeah, so seamlessly. I mean, just he's been with the team a week and a half, and you would have thought his whole career had been spent with San Francisco. So it's encouraging to see that. You mentioned the San Francisco bye. Just, you know, get your get ready. Clear your schedule, man. There are six teams on bye next week. The Niners, the Steelers, the Giants, the Broncos the Cowboys and Cleveland. So you're going to have to do a lot of waiver work. You have to do Mm -hmm. maybe cut guys you don't want to. And it's it's also going to set up an opportunity where you're going to want to pick off. If you're one of the teams that we talk about this all the time, if you're in the top of your standings, you may be picking off good players who are cut because your opponents are desperate and they need to win next week. So just, just understand we, we saw a bye week a couple of weeks ago where four teams were on bye, but they were all great, right? I yeah. mean, th- this six teams collectively maybe doesn't have the same juice as those uh, four teams prior, but it's the heaviest bye week of the season. Bye weeks are not uniform. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's six. There are bye weeks in week 14, right? I, you may, I don't like looking too far ahead in the fantasy scheme of things. I, I just say you should play the game with a telescope, not a microscope, but I'm in some leagues where I'm like, you know, I might be fighting for my playoff life. I'm at some point going to have to look ahead to, to week 14, who's not available, just to make sure I can put out a competitive unit if I need to win to get in the playoffs. But just, you know, again, again every week we know you put the work in and you do the auditing in, but just know that you're going to have extra work to do this week because uh, the Niners and five other teams don't play. It's excellent advice, especially keeping an eye on the folks that get cut because there are some people that are going to have to make some complicated decisions this week. Um, the Cowboys, you know, they, didn't, they might have a complicated situation, sort of, when Zeke gets back. Uh, Cowboys 49, Bears 29. Um, Scott, everybody knew Tony Pollard was coming, but man, did he really announce that with an exclamation point. Yeah, and let's be fair. The, everything Dallas did today worked. Dak was terrific um, throwing the ball. He he ran proactively for the it feels like the first time in a while, though maybe I'm just misremembering that. I wonder if Dallas thinks Pollard, even though Pollard has a blow up game, he only had 15 touches. And I wonder if they've convinced themselves. There used to be this thing with the Chiefs where they had Thomas Jones and they had Jamal Charles and everybody could see that Jamal Charles was the home run hitter and was the splash guy. And Thomas Jones was you know, a solid player, but nowhere near as explosive. And I think Todd Haley, if I want to remember correctly, was in charge of this team for a while. I think he might have thought, well, I'm using Jamal Charles the right amount. Look how efficient he is. I don't want to go yeah. past that. And I hope Dallas doesn't fall into that trap. I would think that they're, as I mentioned, they're one of the teams that are off next week. It made sense. They were heavy favorites against the Bears. Why expose Zeke in this game? You probably don't need him. Give him two weeks to get right. Are we going to be 65-35, 60-40? Could it even be 50-50? Pollard, I, he's so darn explosive when he touches it that I feel like if, if you can't now great he had double digit carries the two games prior to this and I realized Zeke did take a shot in that week seven game but so they were starting to kind of get Pollard into that 40 percent you know market share of this backfield maybe that's bottom line you can play Pollard in, in just about any format right now he's because he doesn't need a lot of touches to get you there to get home and there's always the chance that maybe the flow of the game he the, the Cowboys just accept okay Pollard's the guy we have to lean into him this week I don't think anybody thinks that 
they're going to shove Zeke out of the way because it's going to be a case of Dallas doesn't see a problem. They're not going to try to fix it. They're winning. They're, they're, I think by everybody's account right now, they're the number two team in the NFC. Great defense, all sorts of weapons on offense. And man, did they look good today. So at least take solace, Pollard managers that we know if he gets starts again, he's going to be a top five, top six back on everybody's board. We all have the competitive, I love Tony Pollard more than you argument on Twitter <laughs> for the last three or four days. Boy, was that fun. You know, I, I, I queued up my bingo space. You know, you know who like Tony Pollard today? Well, freaking everybody, right? I mean, in fact, right. Jake Seeley was apologizing for ranking Tony Pollard number nine. That, that's how much the love fest was for Pollard. But <laughs> I'm thinking six. I'm thinking sixty forty when they're both healthy. That's my guess because Dallas is not going to kick Zeke to the curb. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, even after the game, <laughs> Scott uh, Jerry Jones came out and said um, this changes nothing. Like. Uh, by the way, God, it must be so fr- – I know Mike McCarthy compensated well, whatever. And, he, you know, Mike McCarthy is what he is. It's got to be so annoying to be the head coach of this team. And, like, the owner is in the locker room after the game saying, this changes nothing about Zeke's role. Zeke's role. We still – he literally said it again. We go as Zeke goes. It's just got to be so annoying. But, hey, the checks help, I'm sure. I'm sure Mike McCarthy's bank account makes you feel a little bit better about it. But, yeah, man, um, I, I love your comparison to the Jamal Charles thing because – I have at times not defend not defending Zeke or defending the Cowboys or whatever, but at least made the point that there are things that Zeke does really well that I'm not a hundred percent sure that Tony Pollard can do. Like pass protection, obviously that's always discussed, but Zeke really does handle those grinder carries really well, like in between the tackles, short yardage, stuff like that. Um, that also, by the way, I think skew those metrics like you know, yards of contact per attempt, like the way those metrics can also be influenced by the way they're used. Just like we talk about with receivers, like yards and, you know, whatever, like can be influenced by the role. Like you don't expect, I always come back, Wes Welker and Randy Moss, like those guys were used completely differently. So like yards per catch is going to be different for the two guys, right? Same thing with yards per carry sometimes at the running back position. Um, however, I will say this, watching that game, and I did, it was on, on one of my screens, I watched it pretty closely. There were, se- were several carries that were just like, in between the tackle type stuff where they're letting Tony Pollard get those chances. And he wasn't just grinding out those runs, Scott. It was like in between the tackles and he was taking it for explosive plays that I think this offense really craves even when everybody is healthy. So that shifted me a little bit to thinking in a rational world, assumption of, I guess, of rational ownership, we would see something of a change. But obviously the, the Jerry Jones part of it is something that we have to keep in the back of our mind. You make a great point, too, that they play complementary football. They're good at different things. They have different running styles. And there's certainly a logical case for both of them to have significant roles. And, and, I, and I'm not even saying if I ran the Cowboys, it's not like I would put Zeke on special teams or anything or just right. you know, make him like an afterthought. He's having a good season. He just doesn't mm-hmm. have the home run ability right now that Pollard has. But they can coexist and, and both be fantasy factors. And you know, at, le- at least we're going to get, we, we got this one start. We, we got to play him in DFS. We got to you know, play him in props. He, he easily beat his rushing prop, although he did need that long run to get there in part because the game wasn't all that competitive. On the flip side, this can get lost a little bit. And I realized Justin Fields has a sack problem. He took four sacks today and he holds the ball too long. But he did get, you know, 17 for 23 completions through a couple of touchdowns. He ran effectively and proactively ran in another touchdown. He got Darnell Mooney involved. The Cole Komet scored a touchdown, which makes you like a tight end hero, no matter what else you do. Yeah, I mean, the Bears real. put up 29 points against a good yeah. Dallas defense. I know some of it was in garbage time and this game never really felt all that competitive, but Fields is coming around, man. I, and I'm in one league where I have to play him 
And yeah, you got like 27 points. And I realize some of it is going to be ugly at times. And he's really, a, you know, Rich Rebar would say the Konami code, you know, it's going to be a big part of fields for him to get home for you for fantasy. He has to do something on the ground. He cannot throw you there. But I feel like he's playing a little bit better every week. I thought he had a good game against New England. And that's a Belichick team. You know, he usually feasts on young quarterbacks. And today he did it against Dallas. Again, was the game competitive? No. Was some of it in garbage, garbage time? Sure. Could I start Darnell Mooney with confidence even after a 70-yard game? Probably not. But, you know, the young quarterbacks have been so frustrating. You know, Lawrence was really bad today. And, yeah. and Zach Wilson's starting to look like a lost cause. I, I'm just – I'm looking for anything I can cling to. You know, Trey Lance had a lost season, obviously. I just want a reason to believe in somebody. You know, Mac Jones, I don't think, played all that well of the Patriots won. I'm just looking for anything I can hang my hat on. And Justin Fields, I think, is, is slowly but surely starting to play better. And and maybe I've just lowered the bar for what will make me happy with a young quarterback. But in a year where the quarterback play of all ages has been bad or mediocre or less than we expected, however you want to frame that, I'm, you know, I'm encouraged by this, Matt. I think it's a good development. I agree with you completely. I did find it interesting that after the game, both the top receivers for these teams, CeeDee Lamb and Darnell Mooney said, like, I don't want to see my quarterback running that much. Uh, you mentioned, like, Dak took off more than he has, like, in the last two or three years, pretty much. Um, but it was an interesting comment from Mooney because I'm like, man, that's kind of making your offense go, pal. And, like, I think it's been a good thing that they've gotten uh, him going. And I I'd like to continue to see more of that. More design runs. He got his touchdown on a design run. We need to continue to see that out of Justin Fields. And I did like uh, that we saw it. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Let's transition to that London game. Um, Broncos 21, Jaguars 17. I leave this game not really feeling better about the questions I had on either side um, because on the Jacksonville side, I didn't have a question that Travis Etienne was going to be the feature back, and he was by far the feature back. He's been the feature back for this team the last two weeks. 70-plus percent of the team rush attempts. He's been on the field for 80% of the snaps. He's just been a total workhorse and, like, Talk about something that everybody could see coming. The Jaguars told you it was coming. The passing game problems, though, man. Like, I know everybody wanted to come out after a game and be like, we need to have a conversation about Trevor Lawrence. Like, this has kind of been an ongoing conversation about Trevor Lawrence, at least um, the turnover problem there. Yeah, man. I mean, 4.3 yards per attempt. Is, there's no easy button. It's why I'm a little disappointed. I'm not digging ETN. He was great today, 156 on the ground, but. You know, only three catches for six yards. I, I I feel like there's nothing, there's no layup targets here. There's no easy completions. I mean, it's nice that Evan Ingram has started to play well. And, and again, the year at tight end has been so ugly that when Ingram scores a touchdown, 55 yards, and, and Dulcich was excellent on his side, four for 87 on five targets. I'm just so glad I have two tight ends. I can play with a mod modicum of confidence because it's been so difficult to get to that. But Lawrence looks, He, I thought he looked indecisive. I thought he his throws were some of the, outside the numbers throws didn't have the mustard or maybe the quicker, maybe the decision needs to be a half beat closer. I'm at a point now where Christian Kirk is out of my circle of trust. It, it's basically um, ETN and, and nothing else here. I can play other than Ingram at tight end. And I, I really want to play Kirk all season. I can't do it. I was hoping that Lawrence could be a late round quarterback answer. It doesn't look like it on the flip side. It, did the Broncos win? Yes. Russell Wilson looks like a guy still who's playing hurt. He still yeah. looks like a guy who just met everybody in his offense. It, it makes me sad to see Cortland Sutton end a game with 13 yards. We, we always talk about, you, you say this more than anybody, and, and very poignantly and, and you know, um, importantly so, that wide receivers, you know, you get to ride the waves. It's a variance position, but Cortland Sutton's too good to have a one for 13 line against a defense that's kind of an ordinary group. You know, both of the Denver running backs got into the end zone, but neither one of them ran well, and they have to contend with the other guy. 
Nobody will miss the Broncos in week nine. We we saw five standalone Broncos games in eight weeks. I don't know what we did to deserve that. And I'm, I'm just petrified that the NFL is going to announce that they're going to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers next week in a scrimmage, and it's going to be televised as a standalone game. You know, in the four o'clock window, all other games will be blacked out. Because yeah, we can't not have or Russell or Russell Wilson will film five more commercials that we'll have to kind of watch. I, I don't. Russ doesn't bug me the way he does some other people, but. I'm ready for not have Russ Wilson in my life for a week. I'm ready for the Broncos to be off the schedule. And and I'll be honest with you. I watched the end of this game. I did not suffer through it snap by snap. And I'm 50-50 on if I'm going to rewatch it. I hear you, man. Uh, you know, like during the peak Corona seasons and stuff, they'd move the... Uh, They'd move the damn like game to Tuesday, like that Steelers Ravens game, and it was like RG three was starting. RG three, like pure ESPN analyst now, was starting one of these games, right? Like uh, for 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 Baltimore on Tuesday or whatever, and the Steelers were in one of their peak unwatchable moments, and they're in one of those again. No surprise, um, but. God, like, what if they did that with the Broncos, right? Like, I don't know. That would te- that would test me a little bit. Like, oh, I'll watch any football game anytime, anywhere. I love football. Uh, Broncos random Tuesday game. I'd feel a little. I'd feel a little conflicted. I did watch a, a decent bit of this game, and um, I thought you, the Cortland Sutton point I think is the best one here because I've always been a little suspicious of this uh, this narrative that Cortland Sutton is so much like that he's that good that he is going to like dominate the target share here, you know, push everybody else to the side. Always been a little suspicious of that. And, you know, over the last three weeks, Jerry Judy leads the team with 25 targets. Uh, Greg Dulcich is actually second with 17. Sutton is 16. Um, Some of that I'm sure is, uh, you know, defense is like kind of focusing in on Cortland Sutton, but Sutton's not, I don't think he's like at that level of wide receiver that, if you're funneling the offense, because I just think anytime you're funneling an offense through a guy who doesn't separate really well, like you're you're in a bad spot. And Gordon Sutton doesn't separate really well, which is why it's been kind of nice to see Jerry Judy emerge. Because um, I don't think Jerry Judy's a, a star level player either. I think he's a little bit overrated, but I do think Sutton, just to use your phrase, the circle of trust. Like I think Sutton's a little bit out of the circle of trust, like a set it and forget it type of guy because of this recent fall off that we've seen. I mean, we at the point now we have to rank Judy above Sutton going forward. Um, I don't know about going forward, but I think the gap should close. Like, because there is a pretty much a gap in weekly rankings still, where Sutton is like high teens, low twenties, something like that, and Judy's a little bit farther off. I do think like Sutton's got to come down, and Judy's got to come up a little bit. But I'm I'm not trying to really get too too high on anybody in this offense because I still don't believe they're going to fix. Them. They're certainly going to fix. You, you're not all of a you're not getting a bounce in your step from Delchich. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, rel- tight end relative for sure. I picked him up on my David and Joku team and I'm like, thank God. Right. Like, okay. you know, that, that for sure. Like if he's out there and he's, he's going to catch you know five balls for 80 plus yards, a hundred percent. But like, would I say bounce in my step? Probably not. Maybe just a little bit like, like a whew, wiping my, uh, wiping the, the sweat off my brow, feeling a little bit better about it. Um, fair enough. Cliff Kingsbury not wiping the sweat off his brow anytime soon. Uh, Vikings 34, Cardinals 26. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson after the game talking about how he's doing video game celebrations. He's not sure what video game it was, but he knew why he was doing it right because of Kyler Murray and stuff. Um, we talked about this with Frank on the preview show, uh, Scott, where, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, if he was going to get slot snaps going forward, it was going to just completely put Rondell Moore in the dirt. Hopkins went back to a 15% slot rate. Rondell Moore comes back in the game plan. Pretty much exactly what we thought would happen. Yeah, it's really at least I mean, disappointing that Eno Benjamin went nowhere, but at least the, the Cardinals passing game was everything you wanted, right? Hopkins 
looked fantastic. And, you know, I know Frank was somebody who proactively drafted into Hopkins was willing to wait for him. I'm not the kind of person who wants to wait for somebody off an injury comeback, but the fact that Hopkins was coming back off a of suspension, so you would think no physical problems. He's already been with the Cardinals for a year. He's in peak form right now, and it looks like that could be a league-winning winning pick, and I wish I had some shares of it myself. But you know, Hopkins goes nuclear, but Moore plays well. Ertz gets, gets in the box. You know, Kyler did I – feel, I still feel like Kyler and Cliff aren't on the same page, and, and the offense no. is still – it just relies on Kyler doing off-script things. Obviously, they couldn't get the running game going today. And and Murray, for a year and a half, he seemed reluctant to run. He ran six times today, but I, I don't think he wants to run proactively. I think it's more of reactive running for him. I can't kill the offense too much because 26 points in 2022 NFL will probably win you more games than it will lose you, but they couldn't stop Minnesota. But at least Kyler's giving the ball to who we wanted to. And the roles, as you talked about, the specific wide receiver roles they were asked to play today lines up neatly. So we could go with that. Flip side, a, a big tight end troll day, right? Everybody wanted to play Irv Smith because we know Arizona's tight end coverage is horrible. Well, they got a tight end in the end zone. It was Johnny Munt, <laughs> who I know just about nothing about other than the fact that he had the one-for-one, one, one line today. K.J. Osborne scores a touchdown. So we didn't get the receiving. Usually Minnesota's a very narrow concentration, very narrow target tree. Today it was some guys trolling us for the touchdowns. But, you know, whatever. Jefferson had a quiet game. He still had 98 yards. That's how great he is. Thielen did his thing. He caught six or seven targets. Dalvin Cook was good. Uh, Alexander Madison, after I called him one of the most overrated players in the NFL, had a pretty good game in just a you know, secondary role. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of the Vikings. Nobody really thinks of them as like the 6-1 and one team that they are. They've pretty much already gotten the NFC North championship in the mail. Yeah. I, I don't I don't trust that defense. And, and man, Kirk Cousins, nobody sees Kirk Cousins in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's just hard to yeah. imagine it. But still, I mean, Cook's great. Jefferson's great. Their secondary players are interesting. And, you know, this this was a game I think a lot of us pointed to it for fantasy value. And other than maybe Irv Smith letting you down as a, as a tight end chalk play, I think everybody else pretty – and Benjamin, I guess, was the disappointment. But most of the angles came through in this game, and I felt satisfied by the resolution. Justin Jefferson uh, is wide receiver five on the season, and he hasn't scored since week one. He scored two touchdowns in week one. It's I kind of didn't even realize that until um, my brother-in-law was complaining about it to me over a text message. I was like, oh, yeah, right. I forgot Justin Jefferson hasn't been in the end zone since week one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that just means at some point he's going to ha- like string uh, a four-game stretch together where he's going to score every single week, and that's pretty much all I think about that. He'll do what Jamar Chase did a few weeks ago. where Yeah. There was never really a buy-low window on – chase but then he had a monster game at new orleans and people talked about this fictional by low window that was slammed shut justin yeah. jefferson will slam shut the fictional by low window you know <laughs> at any time now any minute now yeah and by the way um jamar chase as you mentioned not going to play on monday night he's at wide receiver six really the only guy that could pass justin jefferson uh like i just mentioned like so he is gonna like i said he's gonna stick at wide receiver five and he'll be three by the time uh you know that by low window uh theoretically closes next game up we got seahawks 27 giants 13 man if you played tyler lockett in this game this game was not fun to watch <laughs> he gets uh stripped of the ball around uh, his own end zone he drops a touchdown um you know that was just like Per- perfectly he's going to walk into the end zone on a go route perfectly placed by geno smith total dime just misses it and it was so funny because like every seahawks beat writer i follow every um seahawks fan i follow was like 
if we've seen anything out of Tyro Lockett's career, like we know he's going to, like he's going to get us one before the game ends. And he scores on like almost exactly the same looking play and ends up with 63 yards and a touchdown. Um, rocky game for Lockett, but they end up pulling out the win and he ends up kind of getting that redemption there. Yeah, I mean, both of the Seattle receivers eventually got around what you would have expected because they both had a touchdown. It was just a miraculous that DK Metcalf was even playing. I could As you mentioned, that. Lockett easily could have had three touchdowns. But this is a day where, you know, Kenneth Walker was going up against a horrible Giants run defense. He doesn't get three yards of carry. Barkley was tackled into a pretzel all day. He was um, ineffective on the ground. Again, he gets some touchdown deodorant. Walker got a late. That's kind of what this game was. It was all touchdown deodorant, right? Lockett missed yeah. opportunities. He got the touchdown. Metcalf somehow was on the field. He got a touchdown. Both of the running backs were running in seaweed. The, the, I thought the offensive lines were getting dominated all day. They both get a touchdown, get out of it. Daniel Jones, I thought was a good streamer. He ends up coming up empty. Gino yeah. at least got a couple of touchdowns. It wasn't Gino's best game. Of course, you, you blame a lot of that on Lockett. And a game that had a really high total only had 40 points. Yeah, I know the, the weather played a little bit into it, but I, I think it's just a case of whether the offensive execution. And I'll have to watch this game closely. I was writing during the four o'clock window, so I didn't see as many of snaps here as I would have liked to. Although every time I looked up, you know, one of those Lockett plays was happening. <laughs> but I don't Hard know if it's a case that. of did the. Did, did the defenses just play better than I expected? A couple times, you know, Barkley had nowhere to run. I can't really fault him on that. Or did the offenses just not execute? Because I, I thought this was going to be a day where the the famous Seahawks carnival would bail out a lot of people. If you needed something, you know, okay, I just get trampled by Alvin Kamara in the one o'clock window. I, I need a comeback. Delta Foreman just ran all over me. I need something here. Come through for me, Barkley. Come through for me, Kenneth Walker. And it's not what we got today. And that's, you know, that's fantasy. You know, Daniel Jones, I still think has played better than expected. At least Darius Slayton's getting just enough work. Again, six teams don't play next week. Daniel Jones is somebody of the Giants. I can't remember if they're on that list or not, but Darius Slayton is somebody who I can play during bye week season. I mean, I think he has a st- three out of four weeks. He's actually you know kind of outkicked his ranking. And in a year where splintered usage is a problem, quarterback play is a problem. Darius Slayton is welcome on my teams. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought up the defensive point because I was actually going to say I think it's time to recalibrate expectations on the Seahawks defense. Um, you know I think they played really really well in this game. You know it is Daniel Jones and I think Daniel Jones is. Like, you know, he, he's still Daniel Jones. I think this whole like kind of idea that he's now going to, you know, oh, they got to keep Daniel Jones around. It's like this offense has shown, if anything, that it's like almost, almost like player proof because uh, they don't have any really good wide receivers. And I think Daniel Jones is still Daniel Jones. He's like a, just, a, you know, I don't know. He's like a system quarterback, basically. I think they could throw out Tyrod Taylor and get similar production to what they're getting out of Daniel Jones. But regardless still a really good defensive performance in this game. Like that was what was really impressive to me was I I think the Seahawks defense has started to play really well. I think some of their young players are coming along. You know, they have so, so many good young players that are developing on that side of the ball and on offense too, obviously with Ken Walker and both the offensive tackles that what an unbelievably good rookie class. The Seahawks have like, this is the John Snyder special. It's just like once a decade, just crank an absolute Homer in your draft class. And that's how you, that's how you win baby. And then just, beef it for the next uh the next like three or four ones but regardless staying on point here i think both of these defenses actually are a little bit underrated i think the giants make make things difficult because they blitz so much they play so much tight man coverage um and then on the seahawks side i do think we're the carnival for them might be coming to a close a little bit the offense should still be very very good but I do think the defense is taking a couple of steps up um one carnival that might be back in business scott it's the it's the Detroit Lions, baby. 
Yeah, you know, they got a two-touchdown lead in the first half against Miami, and Miami was still, like, minus 105 to win the game. You know, no, nobody, so no lead is safe. I paused it on Twitter. What would be a safe Detroit Lions lead? And people are like, 100 points maybe, you know? Maybe. Just, and, uh, but, look, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't perfect. I mean, John Dre Swift, again, touchdown deodorant, you know, a theme today. He didn't get a lot of work. He only had five carries. They went nowhere. Although, I don't want to hear, you know, some people talk about, like, Jamal, Jamal Williams trolling Swift for touchdowns. I mean, Jamal Williams is eight touchdowns. That's yeah. not going away. They and I know he had his first fumble of his career last week against Dallas. So they're the goal line. Jamal Williams is probably their guy. But you know, Amara St. Brown was able to get ten targets this game. Played basically a full game. He didn't go crazy with it, but just seeing him complete a football game is encouraging. Hawkinson that one long catch. Khalif Raymond is a guy you can play if you're really desperate. Miami man. I still look. I still don't know how to, how good Tua is. I may never know how good Tua is. And it always feels like when he throws that deep ball, he has to really get behind it and just throw his whole body into it. Like you know, it, it, all of his medium throws look like Hail Marys to me. But man, Tyreek Hill, fourteen targets off the bus, and and Waddle catches eight of nine, goes over a hundred for a couple of touchdowns, and then they sprinkle in a little bit of Gasicki. So if you're a desperate tight end, you get a touchdown from him. They basically throw to two guys, and then everybody else is, is just a a lesser name in this offense and those two guys can win at as you know at every strata of the field I mean, you can run so many different things every, every defense has to be like how the hell are we going to co- cover jalen waddle and tyreek hill for three hours god, yeah. god knows detroit couldn't do it and i and i feel like if, if the dolphins need to score 41 in this game they would have done it they need to score 50 in this game they would have done it just to detroit put up some early points miami is, how do you cover two guys who can not only run by you and, and, and with the speed they have hills, you know, just about the fastest guy in the league, but they're such great route runners and they're going to kill you on those dig routes and those intermediate routes and those after the catch plays. It's just really fun to, to watch Miami. And I, I think they got a nice, I think they hired the right coach. You, know, you win some games, you're supposed to lose. You lose some games, you're supposed to win. They shouldn't have won that Buffalo game. They never should have lost that Minnesota game. So that comes out in the wash. A little bit disappointing that Mostert didn't do much more this week. But yeah, that was if we redraft, if we redrafted, Tyree Kill might be like the fifth or sixth overall pick. Seriously, and this offense—you mentioned they just throw two guys like the epitome of oh, what's a good team? Just throw it to your good players. That's a good offensive system. That's a good passing game. So far on the season, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have a combined fifty-four point eight percent of the team targets and a sixty-seven point one percent share of the air yards. And it feels like way more than that, right? Like because these guys have been so good. And, and this is what we wanted from the Ravens, right? We thought it was going to be like the yes. Bateman and Andrews show, right? Yes. Now, it's not not fair to Bateman. He's been hurt, and even Andrews has been a little bit dinged yeah, up. But been hurt. This is the one team, again, we, we always bemoan all year. Teams are splintering more. This is one team that's, no, no, no. Our bread is buttered with these two guys. And every week, you can count on double-digit targets. And there just aren't that many guys you can say that about. Uh, yeah. Uh, speed is sexy. Speed is what sells. But, like, Tyreek Hill is a great deep receiver more than just because he's the fastest guy on the field. You're right. He's the fastest guy on the field. But, like, you know, it's almost to the point that you know, we're, uh, remember a couple, like a few years ago, it was like, oh, is Jared Goff really going to be that good if he didn't play in, you know, the Rams offense? Well, I think we kind of know the answer to that, but it's like, but he's, he is playing in the Rams offense. Okay. Like, w- could Tua throw deep passes to any old receiver? I, I don't know. Could he complete go routes to Trent, to Trent Sherfield, to Devontae Parker? He used to play for this team. I don't know. But who cares? Because he gets to throw go routes to Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is the fastest guy on the field, but he's also one of the best. Like, there's so much to being a great deep threat. Like, 
timing, the ability to, to track the ball in the air, the ability to time your jumps, the ability to, to get up in the air at the right time, and just to be a badass at the catch point, kind of like the modern-day version of Steve Smith. That was like the original player comparison for Tyreek Hill, and that's exactly who he is. So it doesn't matter that Tua doesn't throw the, the sexiest-looking deep ball. He's going to be the most efficient deep passer in the NFL because he gets to throw to these two guys, especially Tyreek Hill. I love that comp to Steve Smith. I, I see the similarity with the, with the body composition. I think Steve Smith put up a Hall of Fame career, and I think Tyreek Hill is just about ha- has that finished off maybe one or two more years at this level, and I think he's a walk-in Hall of Famer as well. He's probably not going to do it, but he is on pace for like a 2,000-yard receiving season. Um, and he ha- It's not even like, he, like oh, wow, what is he going to be like playing with uh, Tua you know, instead of Patrick Holmes? I mean, shoot, he's been playing with like Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson at different points this year. So yeah, it's an unbelievable he's, he's been It hasn't mattered. It hasn't yeah. mattered at all. And um, that, that was one of my worst calls. I thought, not that I thought Tyreek Hill would, would collapse, but I, I thought that he would feel the pain of being out of the womb of Andy Reid, not of the womb of... Patrick Mahomes and it, he looks as good as ever. So I, you know, you you want you want uh, self-reporting on things you got wrong, man. Again, it was like I had Tyree Kill ranked thirty seventh overall or something like that. But it was a case of, okay, we'll get to this next game in a minute. When I had a choice of Tyree Kill and Devonte Adams, I tell you, I chose wrong. I chose Devonte Adams. Same here. Well, before we do recap that game, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Saints 24, Raiders 0. We were talking about the Miami offense and how they just get it to their good players. Uh, Graham Barfield was one that kind of inspired me to look that up because I saw he compared the Dolphins to the Raiders. You know, the Raiders, eight targets for Matt Collins. Nine targets for Foster Moreau. Um, this was an offense that we, you know, five targets for Keelan Cole, five targets for Amir Abdullah. Obviously, this game goes haywire, right? But this was a team where we thought, Scott, that it was like, it's going to be super, super concentrated for these players. And it is absolutely not um, with, with right now with this team. You know, the AFC West was supposed to be the ultimate fun division. And I feel like so far, the Chiefs have been a par. The Chargers have been maybe a bogey, although you know, Echo's having an unbelievable season, no doubt inspired by his weekly spots with you. But I mean, the receiver oh, room des- desperately needs somebody else to, to, to get on. I'm curious to see if they make a trade. We've talked a lot about that. Brandon Cook the, should be in LA right now. He should be on his way. They should be they, doing that trade. For and sure. not get for the that Rams. Done. Yeah, for the Chargers. Get that done. Well, nothing can save the Rams, I don't think. No. Not even not to mention Brandon Cooks has already done that dance. I don't think he'd come back there. But uh, the Broncos. I think everybody's going to celebrate their bye week. Nobody wants to watch them play again. And maybe the stench of the Broncos is shielding everybody from how awful everything's been with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs has been fantastic. You can't blame him today because the game got out of hand. But Derek Carr's not playing well. You would think Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams retired in the second quarter of this game. Whatever. Matt Collins and Foster Moreau caught a couple of passes, but whatever. They they didn't get close. This is a 24-0 game that felt like it was 40-0. It wasn't competitive from the jump. And 
you, you talked about wide receiver rankings. I think before this week, Adams was still like fifth or sixth in per, per point um, wide receiver scoring. And, and even if he just went cumulative, he's still at a high rank in part because the scoring overall has been down and a disappointing year for Adams hasn't looked as bad because not that many people have hurdled over him. But I'm worried, man. We're in late October. You're supposed to have this stuff ironed out. I will give you a pass. If they played this game week one, week two, I'd be like, oh, yeah, extended preseason. You know, it's going to take a while for everybody to get back on the same page. All that car and Adam's magic at Fresno State, that was such a long time ago. Let's give, let's be patient. Let's not do anything rash with Devontae Adams. I'm concerned about it. And then, you know, Waller's missed so much time, too. I don't know when he's going to come back. So the Raiders are officially, I think, in big time trouble. And, and man, Josh McDaniels, you know, he waited. He rehabilitated his reputation in New England. He was going to take the Colts job. He didn't take the Colts job. He took this job in, in Vegas. And this was going to make, this is the inflection point. Is Josh McDaniels going to be like an NFL head coach for another 15 years? Or it's going to be like, oh, we tried that again. It didn't work out in Denver. It didn't work out in Vegas. And then maybe he'll, go, he'll get his Nick Saban scholarship or whatever it is, fellowship <laughs> in a couple of years. But 100%. it's it's ugly, man. I, I'm And I'm scared that um, it's not going to get fixed. On the flip side, this is so weird to say. Alvin, Alvin, Kamara, look, Alvin Kamara is great. And, and I've, I've been kind of vocal about fading him and everything. Cause I didn't like some of the fits in the offense, but it's become obvious. Not that Andy Dalton's anything great. Not that he's Drew Brees, but Alvin Kamara needs Andy Dalton to be starting. I think maybe the saints need Alvin Kamara. I mean, um, Andy Dalton to be starting after the first 20 offensive touchdowns for the saints. Did none of them went to Kamara. Kamara spikes three times today. He puts the best fantasy running back game of the season on board. Most of it came through the, the past game, he actually wasn't all that efficient as a runner, but he catches nine to 10 targets. And the bottom line is, and again, Dalton is what he is. He's a veteran. He's on the back nine of his career, but he understands the flow and the touch and the timing of some of that short passing in the screen game and all that a lot better than Winston seems to. And so if you're a Kamara manager, look, they just won. So I don't see why they'd change anything. I realized Dalton didn't play well in the Arizona game, but if I'm an Alvin Kamara investor, if I'm an Alvin Kamara manager, I'm like, man, please do not take Andy Dalton away from me. I need this for my guy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I think in going into the year and maybe even like when Winston got hurt early, it's like, oh, Winston's better for fantasy. Winston's better for fantasy because he throws the ball downfield. But like that would have been in a hypothetical world where there was a like back in Tampa Bay when there was a bunch of receivers. All these receivers are hurt except Chris Olave, who's so good, by the way, that he can get like five for 52. And it's like, oh, man, that's kind of a bummer for Chris Olave because he's been that good. We don't care about Traquan Smith. I mean, there's this. Rashid Shahid guy who keeps popping up for these big plays every now and again. Never, never heard of that guy in my life until he made a big play a couple of weeks ago. Never heard of him in my life. Like we don't care about Marquez Callaway. We don't care about Traquan Smith. Like we want this guy, Andy Dalton, to get the ball to Alvin Kamara in high leverage moments of the passing game. And we want him to feed a number one receiver. And that's what Chris Olave is a number one receiver. And that's it. And he's more than good enough to do that. And I agree that if Winston's back there, I think the Camara stuff really starts to get um, kind of shaken up, and, and it shouldn't be. How about Taysom Hill getting double-digit carries? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that was I the thing that happened. Yeah, it, it, it was a thing that ha- it happened, and um, it's good that our, our guy Trevor, uh, he's away for the weekend, and he runs our social channels. He's away for the weekend getting married. Uh, shout out to him. It was yesterday on Saturday, uh, and he's going to be gone on his honeymoon after this. That's really good because I know that when like Taysom Hill is has like – a bunch of rushing plays, the mentions are still on fire about the tight end eligibility stuff. So glad shout out to Trevor. He's on his honeymoon. Uh, now he's, so he's hopefully he's thrown his phone uh, into the ocean 
and he doesn't have to see all these Taysom Hill like where Taysom Hill doesn't even run any routes in the in dimensions because I I know for a fact they're there and that's good. <laughs> some I, I just hope that Trevor. Also, congratulations to to Trevor and his lovely bride. I just hope the one he had one of the three touchdown guys today. I hope he had a team somewhere with McCaffrey and Kamara, which which you could have conceivably yeah. on the same team, or maybe we'll get to this in a second. Maybe he had Dante Foreman rolling today. Oh, man, Donta Foreman. Yes, Falcons 37, Panthers 34. Um, Arthur Smith, are the, are the haters happy now? Marcus Mariota throws 28 passes and they win the game. Um, Scott, this was this was a pretty fun game, like all things considered. Um, I know, obviously, Falcons win the game. You know, Caleb Huntley, 16 carries. Tyler Algier, 14 carries. You know, Cordero Patterson is coming back pretty soon, which I think is is good news because this run game has been super efficient, even though it does really nothing for us in, in fantasy because there's kind of too many guys available here. But I keep saying this, the Falcons offense, like when it's cooking is fun. And at least they really did get Kyle Pitts involved on, on some like really cool, creative plays, um, which we they've done at certain times this year and, and certainly a little less than we want, but definitely a lot today. I, I get to be fair with Arthur Smith. I mean, we always get frustrated like when they fall way behind in Cincinnati and they were reluctant to pass it. Although part of that passing volume was because Mariota made some really poor plays and a couple of drives stalled out. And maybe Arthur Smith just thought, okay, for us to string together a drive, maybe we can't just junk the running game the way most teams would. But everybody, and I realize Algier didn't run particularly well today. He bailed out with a receiving touchdown. But pretty much everybody who's gotten work in this running game has been effective. Yeah. And right now they're in first place in a really weak division. And I think it's going to be fun. I, you know, I kind of root for chaos. I kind of root for entropy. In the NFL, you don't have to root that hard because the league's kind of based on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like to see anybody like I had nothing. Like I grew up in New England, so I mean, I'm I'm a Tom Brady fan, but I just think it'd be fun if the Falcons made the playoffs, or the Panthers made the playoffs, or the Saints made the playoffs. Just one of these teams with maybe an eight or nine win upside ceiling makes the playoffs because they play they play different. You know, they, they all have an interesting story to me. You know, the, the Saints are removed from Breeze and Peyton. Carolina left for dead. You know, their quarterback play was so horrible and PJ Walker shouldn't even be playing. And they they give you know, they trade McCaffrey. They're they're re- rebooting the team. And man, they were so close to winning this game. And um, although Ari- Mariota did play well, he threw a pretty bad pick in the overtime, and then Carolina got into range. It's, it's just crazy how this game this is such a fun game, it such a wacky wild. game. You know, somehow DJ Moore gets loose for a touchdown, but then he takes his helmet off and he, they end up blowing the extra point that would have won the game. And then Pinero, the poor Carolina kicker, has another chance to win it. He misses what yeah. is basically what is an extra point right now. But look what we get, okay? We get a Kyle Pitts touchdown. Rejoice. Those don't happen a lot, okay? We get different people in the Atlanta offense popping. I mean, we, we didn't get the London game we wanted, but if you had to play Caleb Huntley, he came through. Algier needed the touchdown deodorant. He came through. Kyle Pitts, if you stayed the course, I ranked him pretty low, 12th or 13th. So if you went by my rankings, you probably didn't play him. I don't know who you played instead, but you know, at least Pitts could be back in the circle. Trust nine targets for Kyle Pitts. That's like 15 on another team. (laughs) And Carolina's back in play, man. The the Dante Foreman revenge game. Remember, he was cut by the Falcons last year. Okay. Look, not that 26 for 118 is, you know, cause he's not Derrick Henry here, but he scores three times. And even when they get Hubbard back. I would think Foreman at least is the 60-40 here. You yeah. know, he's and Carolina's offense, all we're asking for. It's been so hard to watch Mayfield. All we want is just be professional. Just give us a reason to play DJ Moore. Well, we have it. DJ yeah. Moore's back in play. He easily could have had a couple of touchdowns in this game. Give us a reason to play maybe one of their backs or maybe two of their backs. We have it. Foreman's popped the last two weeks. Hubbard looked good last week. The defense isn't bad. I know they lost a lot of crap load of points today, but the defense isn't that bad. 
all we wanted Carolina to do. They were the consensus choice. Two weeks ago, any NFL fan on the street, who's the worst team in football, you would have spit out the Carolina Panthers right away. I don't feel that way anymore. They feel like a competitive group to me. Yeah, they at least feel kind of frisky. Um, Frisky, yes, that's the right word. Yeah, and and DJ Moore, since P.J. Walker took over as a starting quarterback and Steve Wilkes as the interim coach, 35.9% of the target share. Obviously, we had to get two guys out of here in McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson to make that happen. But yeah, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, I was I was struck today as DJ Moore, like, basically won them the game. I was kind of annoyed with how the announcers were, like, really hammering him for taking his helmet off and celebrating in, like, what has been a super frustrating season. Because it's like, hey, kicker, how about make the kick in the dome, bro? Like, it's a 48-yarder. Just just make the kick. Or in overtime or make, again. Or make the kick in, in, in make overtime. The, yeah. It's 35-yarder, like, yeah. That's your job, bro. Like, make the kick. So I was a little annoyed that they kept giving, giving DJ more crap because it was like, also, I remembered... Remember when Matt Rule like basically called out the receivers for not getting open and made that excuse for Baker Mayfield to the point that DJ Moore had to answer questions in the most uncomfortable interview I've ever seen. If you want to find it, you can go to my Twitter timeline. I brought it back up today. Um, just crazy that like that's how bad the vibes were. And I think DJ Moore is like in the clear now. Maybe not. Look, he's as I always joke with you, Scott. He's probably not going to lead the NFL in receiving yards, but uh, he is like clearly on. Um, I don't like the every week wide receiver three, maybe low yep. end two borderline there. I think he's worked his way out of, out of the start sit questions, right? And, yeah, it's, it's, so. it's nice. It's just nice to see him validate it because I think everybody who I know in fantasy liked DJ more. And it's yeah. just nice to see him play well. I'm like, yeah, I knew he was good. I knew he was being submarined right. by what was around him. And it's just nice that right now that's not the case. Yeah, it's nice to know that we're not crazy. And Foreman, I'm, I just want to bring back uh, the point on him real quick. And I know we're talking a lot about the Panthers they win this game, but whatever. Um, Foreman is a good back, man. And, like, he's probably our best – he's probably our best case for, like, guys coming back from the Achilles injury because he tore his Achilles. And it was it took him a long time to get, to get back and get rolling. But, like, Foreman – I thought he, you know, I completely forgot he got cut by the Falcons last year until you brought it up pre-show. Um, but when he got in there for the Titans last year, there were definitely certain games where it's like, because I think he was wearing the number seven or wearing the number two or seven or something like that. It's like, oh, that's not Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry's still hurt. Yeah, because he looked good last year with the Titans. And I feel like the Panthers have something in him. Um, he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, but I would love to see them continue to just like 18, 20 carries as long as the game is competitive, like keep form and rolling because he runs really well. Yeah, and I know, again, I'm just so glad that Carolina is no longer on the restricted list that we can take them seriously as an NFL team, and we have one more fantasy offense that has some playability to it. Absolutely, DJ Moore, like too good of a guy to just be on the complete, you know, buried list like that. Um, there are a lot of players buried on the New York Jets roster, Scott. Um, this was, if you're a Jets fan, this game. Th- there's been other games that make you feel this way. I don't know how you watch this game and be like, you know what I definitely want to do? I want to harass like everybody on t- every media member who's like, yeah, the Jets are good, but how good is Zach Wilson? The guy, Zach Wilson, terrible game in this one, threw an interception on a pass where he was trying to throw the ball away. Don't know that I've ever seen that one. This was a, a really rough game if you're a Jets fan, um, you know, and and I mean, on the Patriots side, like we kind of know who, who, who we're rocking with there. And those guys at least did show up in Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers. Yeah, the the Patriots are really tidy. It's it's Stevenson and it's Myers and that's it. Everybody else is you'd have to play if you were boxed into a corner. Harris is two straight weeks. The first week I could I understand we didn't play a lot, but this week 
Rhea says, accept it. Stevens the show. He catches. Stevenson caught a bunch of passes last week, but they were behind. He caught a bunch of passes this week and they were ahead. So not that I don't think any Stevenson managers needed a, a lot of extra encouragement for him, but he said he is definitely graduated from start set. He said, and forget yeah. it. If you're not st- starting Ramondre Stevenson, you must have an unbelievable <laughs> abundance of talent running back. And pretty much. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, Myers, good, good player, man. I know he's, he's always been on your radar. He's smart. Um, he, he, he can get open. And um, I don't think Mac Jones played particularly well, but he didn't have no. to. The weird thing about the, the Jets, a few things. I thought Michael Carter was going to have a good start in this game. I thought maybe they would ease Robinson in, which they kind of did. He only had five carries, but Carter didn't do much. And Wilson actually hit on some big plays. You know, Garrett Wilson had his best game in a while. They hit on a big pass to Mims. I'm curious to see if Mims is somebody. I, I feel like the Jets have enough receiver depth. And they should know who they are. The, these, the Jets aren't, you know, they, maybe they sneak in the playoffs, whatever. They have no chance to win the AFC. I think it would really be a mistake if they don't trade one of their veteran receivers. Maybe Mims could get them something. Maybe if Corey Davis is healthy, he could get them something. They have two young receivers they can build around. It's disappointing to see Elijah Moore not do anything in this game. I don't know if he got dinged up or not, but uh, he no, he would, a bagel. No, they, they, he ran like seven routes in this Seven game. routes, he, okay. Yeah, so and, and after the game, Scott, brought him back. did you see what he said after the game? I didn't. Uh, they, a reporter asked him in the locker room, um, you know, what's like about his thoughts on his chemistry with Zach Wilson. And he said, I don't get the ball. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's like, I don't know about that. I don't get the ball. So, um, yeah, he's, you know, I think he was, he did speak afterwards, like that he regretted that his trade request like became a distraction, all that type of stuff. But I don't know, man, it, that's, it's pretty concerning that they just pit, ran him on seven routes. I don't know. But I agree with you that. Like Mims would be a good trade candidate. Even more would be like, like, yeah, I would love to see Elijah Moore on a different team. And I think Elijah Moore would love to see himself on a different team at this point. I mean, the Jets play the Bills next week. That could get really ugly. Be bad. To what level did, maybe we can blow off the Tyler Conklin thing, although he did have two touchdowns, but how are we going to rank Garrett Wilson going forward after? We, we all love him as a talent. He starts off hot. A lot of it's with Flacco. Wilson comes back. The, you know, the Jets are getting all these bad quarterbacks all in a row. And and man, Mac Jones didn't play well today. He threw a horrible pick that was taken back by a penalty, a pick six. But there's even a point where I I wondered if maybe Zappi could have come back in the game. That's how bad I thought Mac Jones looked at times. But Garrett Wilson pops again, goes over 100. I mean, we we all know he's he's a special talent. Ohio State is a wide receiver factory. I hope you're watching Marvin Harrison Jr. Weekly just look (laughs) tremendous. It's amazing. This guy couldn't even get in the field last year until the bowl game when guys opted out. And this year he's just, you know, looking like a Bolitnikoff candidate. But Brian Hartline, former NFL receiver and obviously former Ohio State receiver, cranking, cranking out studs there as the receiver coach. Man, there's like four or five college teams that just have a conveyor belt of talent. And obviously Ohio State receivers, it's just one of those groups. And uh, I'm really fun to see Harrison spread his wings at OSU, even though I'm a Michigan guy. But what do we do with Garrett Wilson going forward? How do we apply this game? And the fact that he has to be tied with Zach Wilson, although Wilson, again, he got 8.7 yards per attempt. The problem was that when Wilson made a bad throw or a bad decision, he really paid for it. I mean, that's the Zach Wilson, like, state of the union at this point, Scott, is like when things are bad, like, and he wants to be like an off script player, but he's so bad at the moment pressure comes in. I mean, that pick that he threw was like a throwaway when he should have been when he was under pressure like and he, he still made the mistake even when he's trying to do the right thing so I think with Garrett Wilson I'm not I'm not going to put much stock into this because Corey Davis was out like if Corey Davis is in this game I don't think like I think that line probably gets split right down the middle between those two guys like you know about 50 yards and I think that's probably what we're looking at so I, I will remain skeptical of it I, I, th- I think I it's still- realistic somebody could get traded 
I I I mean I hope I hope so because this team is like they just have unrealized talent because of how good all these guys are and because how not ready the quarterback is to be a talent elevator. I mean even like a we're not even getting these guys to their baseline pretty much. So there's a this is just a I don't know, rough situation. I I hope somebody does and even if it's Mims like I I don't know that Mims is going to be a great player but I would be kind of curious to see what he what he could do somewhere else. Um, I mean, and yeah, obviously Elijah Moore would be great to see him get traded, but I don't I don't believe they will trade anybody because I think they are still invested in all these young guys. And like Corey Davis would be the one that would make sense to trade, but he's been their best, most consistent receiver and is also their best run blocker. And that's how they've won games this year is in the running game. That's a great point about his run blocking. But I, I guess the reason I bring it up is because so much of fantasy is about elimination, is about taking a three-headed backfield and making a two-headed backfield, taking a yeah, a crowded target tree and taking one player off that. And all of a sudden now it's like we can feel better about where the ball might get filtered. So I'm curious. And, and this is different. The NFL trade deadline is different now. It used to be a big nothing. And oh, this year so we've fun, seen yeah. some big trades. It doesn't, doesn't mean there'll be big activity you know, up until the 11th hour, but teams seem more open to doing things. When the past, I think teams got burned by making moves at the trade deadline and then just became a case of, okay, it, it, it was a waste of a day. You, you spent the afternoon waiting for something to happen and like some backup linebacker would get traded for a seventh round pick or something. That would be it. It's like, okay, well, I wasted that afternoon. I'm not getting that time back. I, I would like to see, selfishly, I'd like to see the Jets make a trade. I think it would actually make sense for their roster anyway. But again, it's a case of when we can take one player out of the equation, one player out of the target tree, then maybe play, other players become more plausible. One team that is super, super tidy, super condensed right now is the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles 35, Pittsburgh 13, man. I mean, what a a beautiful fantasy situation. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, you know, uh, obviously Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown go off. We can have like an extended conversation about that. But, you know, the other guys that make it happen, Miles Sanders scores a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Smith gets in the end zone. Dallas Goddard, six for 64. Can't turn your nose up at that at the tight end position. Like, that is what we want in a fantasy offense. And, man, A.J. Brown just goes absolutely crazy in this game. Six catches, 156 yards, three touchdowns. Um, The three touchdowns all came on go routes. I mean, just unbelievable. And um, my buddy Marcus Grant juxtaposed, uh, like, A.J. Brown's box score today versus, like, the Titans wide receiver room on the season. And the Titans are good, and I kind of understand some of their justification with the A.J. Brown trade. Like, I, they're just a really good organization, and, and Mike Vrabel just keeps that team just churning. We'll talk about them a little bit later, but it is just a funny comparison, just how nothing is going in the Titans receiver room and everything is going for A.J. Brown. And, man, A.J. Brown is – I feel the same way about Tyree Kill Scott that it's like – I wish I had just, like – thought about nothing but how good at football I knew AJ Brown was and and nothing else when it came to like oh what where should I rank him in fantasy like oh yeah their qu- quarterback questions who gives a damn Jalen Hurts going to going to be better because he's throwing to AJ Brown um you know I even said that plenty of times my rankings just didn't reflect it and I regret that AJ Brown might, might be the best receiver in football if, if I were well starting maybe. a team we could have anybody for the next 2 or 3 years I might I might pick him and man did he just toy with that Pittsburgh secondary. And, and, you know, at one point he caught that gorgeous touchdown on the right sideline. He beat a couple of Pittsburgh defenders and he pointed them out. Yeah. And then the Eagles, you can see what they're practicing because they had a very elaborate celebration afterwards. They got a taunting penalty. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? When you score three touchdowns and you're Enough undefeated in late October, you should be allowed to taunt. You should be encouraged to taunt. Okay. 
I mean, whatever. I you just point at the guys you beat. What's you know? What's let, let that go? Is that is that? I, I think the children of America can witness that play and and will not be scarred for life for it. I, although um, you mentioned Devonta Smith, he actually didn't get a touchdown today. He was the one guy kind of left out of the fun because Zach Pascal had to catch a troll touchdown for us. But <laughs> hey, Miles Sanders gets in the box. He didn't get a ton of activity. Um, the, the thing the thing that's weird about the Eagles is that. You think, and I, I told a lot of people to, to play Sanders. It's not like he killed you. He got you 78 rushing yards and a touchdown. But it, it's normally you think, okay, running back, home game, double-digit favorite. That's good. But you you worry the flip side of it would be, well, what if the rushing touchdowns go to Hurts? Again, Hurts threw for them today. But that's always a problem with Sanders. He may not get the rushing touchdowns. Or what if the game isn't competitive? He kind of got the Devin Singletary treatment, right? That the, the Bills a lot of times in their – competitive games they lean on singletary and their non-competitive games they back off singletary and save him for another day i wonder if that's maybe what the eagles did today but man aj brown is a is a grown-ass man Mm. and the problem we always had in tennessee is that it was like okay aj here's your five targets here's your seven targets go be great we're only throwing 25 passes today (laughs) we're only throwing 22 passes today and we're not gonna pepper the ball to you aj brown is open when he's not open aj brown can score on any pass on the field and he's always open yard. too, Scott. That's the thing is like he was number three last year in Separation. success rate versus man coverage, like yeah. you know, in reception perception. Like that's the crazy thing about him is he shines so bright in those highlight real moments, like when he's when in the contest situations and after the catch. It like I think it's always been underrated that this guy's like these Devonte Adams or Stefan Diggs in terms of his ability to beat man coverage. He reminds me of Terrell Owens. Maybe yes, uh, very uh, Owens-ish. Yeah, it's just, just one of those things where he's hyper-competitive. And and I also love that Hertz is comfortable enough with him that Hertz doesn't need to see this big gap. He's like, okay. Uh, you know, like again, that touch I was talking about earlier, you know, the, the, the coverage wasn't bad. But Jalen Hertz is like, I got A.J. Brown. I got the sideline. I'm throwing the ball up there, and I think my guy might catch it. So what a fun team. I I don't know what to say about the Steelers. I mean, maybe the ah. Eagles are just the wrong team, wrong time. Um, Najee Harris looks like a brick. They had the cute touchdown where Claypool got the flip on fourth down. And we found out, at least I found out, that Chase Claypool was left-handed, which was pretty cool. But um, mm. not much to go here. Pat Fryermuth is you know, quasi-startable at a very weak position. I keep saying with Harris, all you can really do is hope he has a big game and try to trade him. But I'm at a point now where if he had a big game, I think you're – co-owners yeah, your, uh, your rivals you. might be still nervous about him <laughs> they're gonna block your number you send that offer I'll tell you what yeah Pickett took six sacks today uh interception i mean that philadelphia defense yeah, it's so rare that a defense is worth holding through a bye week we've talked about this a lot other than the game at dallas i don't see a single doubt the colts are kind of just a team the eagles barring a major amount of injuries are going to be favored every week the rest of the season except maybe the dallas game that's how yeah. that's what a juggernaut what a, a wagon this team is Kenny Pickett after the game, like basically kind of said, no, not basically say, he said guys are not studying enough. Like we don't study enough as a team, um, like penalties, details, stuff like that. I was like, dude, that's not what you don't, you have like two touchdowns, to eight interceptions or something like that. Like you don't want to be saying that after the game, you're a rookie quarterback. Like, give me a break. Uh, I don't think Pickett has been good. I don't think Pickett has been inspiring. Um, I've talked about some of that on the show and, and I, this is, my least favorite offense in the NFL to watch. It is, it's the worst designed, the worst um, constructed offense to like, I don't think you can judge guys like George Pickens. I don't think you can judge guys like Deontay Johnson. Najee Harris. I mean, I I think he, 
I think in a better in a like from a passing game perspective is the worst design unit. Even Chase Claypool, like I think, would be better elsewhere. Um, Kenny Pickett might be better in a different offensive system. It's, Another it's team the, I'd like to see if they make a trade. Right? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about yeah. Claypool, and the Steelers maybe need a separation. Sounds like they won't hate, do it though. But I would. Be I nice. hate to say this now, Grant. I said this about Alexander Madison, and it sparked him to get a touchdown today. I'm wondering: Is Deontay Johnson the most overrated player in football at the receiver position? No, because I don't think people actually rate him that high. But um, okay, it, it would be Scott. It would be great if he had an above-average quarterback once in his career, and it would be great if this, he was not playing in this offense. I get it. If, like fifty-seven-year-old Ben Roethlisberger wasn't above average. Not doing it for me. Uh, Kenny Pickett hasn't been doing it for me. Mitch Trubisky hasn't been doing it for me. And like I said, dude, I mean, this offense it's so, it's so poorly designed, especially for modern. Like the way modern defenses play, like all this cover two stuff, all this cover three stuff, all this zone coverage, like they have all man beaters in their offense and nobody plays man coverage on them because they because they know they don't have to because they know their route combinations don't attack zone coverage in the right spot. And they they throw so many go. I mean, they run so many go routes. George Pickens leads the NFL in go routes. I think Deontay Johnson's like fourth. And those are just all low percentage throws that are designed to beat man coverage when nobody's really playing man coverage anymore. So it's it's rough. Um, I, I don't. I don't fault. I know Deontay Johnson makes mistakes and like he owns some of those yards per target numbers, but those yards per target numbers are almost all Matt Canada and a quarterback stat. Yeah. Blame Canada. Pittsburgh, one of those teams on by this week. So uh, we'll see what they come back with for the Saints. I won't be missing them. I won't be missing. No, (laughs) nobody will miss the Steelers next week, but probably after getting smacked around this game, they're probably getting the week off at a good time. Yeah, that is definitely true. Uh, Titans 17. Texans 10 Derrick Henry hey I love that the I love that the Houston Texans were like oh man we finally get rid of T.Y. Hilton just clowning on us two times a year now Derrick Henry just runs for 200 yards every single time he goes against them his last four games he's gone over 200 yards against the Houston Texans Um, people were all jazzed to start Malik Willis in this game because he can run and it did not go well if you started Malik Willis yeah because um, Houston 32nd DVOA rush defense Derrick Henry (laughs) <laughs> just dump trucking him, just running. I, I feel like they could Henry could have gotten as many yards as he wanted in this game. W- once the Titans got more than a touchdown lead in this game, it, they might as well have been ahead 40 points. Yeah. And Houston, you know, I, I expected Davis Mills would be, I don't know, just not not horrible. Um, and maybe it's just the infrastructure here is so broken. I think they really need the trade cooks. Pierce has been pretty good. I don't feel bad for the Pierce manager. I think he got a no. late touchdown this game. But he did, yeah. It, it hasn't, you know, if you if you needed Philip Dorsett, didn't come through. Cooks has been a disappointment. I mean, Houston, we thought it was Carolina, who's the worst team in football. And I realize Pittsburgh's really hard to watch right now. Houston is, the, the Texans are who we thought they were. They were pesky and kind of frisky for a few weeks. But right now, this is just a dead zone. Yeah, it's like Houston uh, doesn't have Nico Collins available in this game, and and they were completely banged at wide receiver. Uh, like that's how that's how bad of a team they are right now. There's just not much to say there, man. I mean, oh, but by the way, how how depressing is this Tennessee passing game? I mean, it goes nowhere with Tannehill. <laughs> yeah, and then they throw up Malik Willis, and and you know, I, I give the Titans credit. Like they basically played a 1975 college football game. Okay, yeah. we're just gonna run the ball every down. Six completions, ten attempts, fifty five passing yards. Um, yeah, I don't blame them. It's all they had to do. Why? Why expose Willis if you don't need to? But still, I, there's nothing even close. Robert Woods is is so far away. I'm not even fielding Robert Woods questions anymore. He's yeah. gone from should I start Woods to you know um, should I pick up Woods? Now it's like he doesn't even exist. Like he's retired, and I, I don't. Yeah, no. I take no joy in that. No, there's nothing going on here. Um, 
I mean, they, obviously they don't have Traylon Burks, but I don't know how much that's going to change things when he gets back because I still think he's got a long way to go to being a routine starter. But yeah, it's pretty pretty uninspiring if you're the Texans that they have a rushing quarterback that and that that's pretty much all like Malik Willis can do right now. Like he's not ready to be you know a down in down out thrower. Um, and they have Derrick Henry back there, and you get barreled over for 32 carries for 219 yards. Even Dontrell Hilliard eight for 83 in this game. I mean, that is about as embarrassing as it gets. We've said we've said enough. We've said enough about the about this game. Uh, last game up here, Commander seventeen, Colts sixteen. The backup quarterback bowl, but Scott, ODU's finest man just makes it happen. Yeah, and, and at least he's he's got a predictable pattern, right? He's going to pepper Terry McLaurin. What a great hookup on that final drive. Oh, oh amazing! Terry McLaurin, baller man, love that so guy. So good, God. So you know he gets eight targets and. Antonio Gibson, they found something for Antonio Gibson to do. He catches all seven of his targets. He gets into the box again. They're not using McKissick that much, which I think makes a lot of sense. He's clearly less talented. A little disappointed. Look, it's a miracle that Brian Robinson's playing football. So I I feel it just doesn't feel all that cool to be criticizing him. But I mean, yeah, I don't I know. He, he has to look special as a runner. I know the line isn't great or anything, but and he's not getting much in the passing game. I'm pleasantly surprised at how playable Gibson is right now. And it's just great to see McLaurin doing his thing. What did you make of Allinger? Is I thought he, I didn't think he looked all that great, and then he made that really nice throw to Hines late in the game, and his stats actually looked pretty good. I'm going to watch every snap this week and try to get a better look at it. My first thought was like, oh man, um, I, I got to back off everybody. I got to move Pittman down a level. I, I Paris Campbell, forget him now, and Alec Pierce, forget him now. I, I feel like the stats I, again. My eyes told me one thing, but I didn't see every snap. The stats kind of defend Ellinger. Where do you uh, come down on him? My takeaway watching um, this game and watching Sam Ellinger, and I, I agree, there were there were certainly moments for him. My takeaway was, man, I get why the Colts keep trying to just find a veteran quarterback to drop in here because, my God, they have so many guys that can make plays. You know, Michael Pittman catches seven passes for 53 yards. Definitely, definitely dropped a, one on the final drive that could have made that could have made it better. Like he could have he could have potentially gotten them in field goal range to win this game. That was a rough drop for him, but not a very mistake prone player. And he's been pretty good this year. But you know they have Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce made some great catches this one. Paris Campbell, huge plays in this game. Um, Naheem Hines for his uh, for his uh, not his touchdown run, but like he had a catch that got them down to the one yard line. He, uh, incredible play, and obviously they have Jonathan Taylor. I was like, man, somebody is set up to thrive in this offense. I don't know if Ellinger is that dude, but man, like. He was able to just hit the guys when they were open, and I think the play calling was creative. And like I still think Frank Reich designs a good offense. Whether he survives this mess that India has become is is unknown. But I I do think that like he can scheme up open guys for Ellinger, and I did I don't think Ellinger looked like overwhelmed. Right, you know, same same thing sort of with Heineke on the other side. Is it? I mean, Heineke's a totally different animal, dude. Like that guy just so confident in himself but um yeah i don't think ellinger looked overwhelmed that was my big takeaway and it's like okay he can hit the open guys and there's gonna be a lot of open guys in this offense because there's good players and i think frank reich is still a good offensive designer it'll be fun to watch ellinger go head to head with the patriots next week i i'm not sure that will be very fun for for sam ellinger but um we'll we'll see what happens i thought I they do more with him you know one of the takeaways this week between Willis and Ellinger, I thought one of those guys was going to run for like 40 or 50 yards, and I'm just surprised. In fact, the Willis prop was in the 40s, and I still thought it was an over, but I guess the game script went in a certain way. They didn't need to do that. I thought they were going to be a little bit more proactive with Ellinger as a runner, and it turns out that's not something they did a lot of. 
yeah, I, I think they, I mean, they, I think they wanted him back there because he can move, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not just a, a complete statue, statue like mm-hmm. Matt Ryan is. And like, I mean, I still, I still can't believe people are like, what about Nick Foles? It's like, bro, come on. What about Nick Foles? But um, of his um, six rush attempts, three of them were a scramble for uh, for Sam Ellinger. So it was a little bit of a mix of scrambling. It was a little bit of a mix of designed rush attempts. Um, the, the problem there is just like, I don't think he's an. I think he's a good runner. I don't think he's an elite athlete. So you know that that problem is always going to be there when it, when you're trying to like design an offense around it. But I agree with you. It was a little disappointing, but um, we'll see. We'll see going forward. I'm sure he'll have. If some we're more redrafting games. tomorrow, where would be the right pocket for Jonathan Taylor? Ooh, that's a good question. Definitely behind McCaffrey. Definitely behind Eckler. Definitely behind Barkley. Barkley. Yep. Henry, I mean, did you say Henry? Yeah, I got to be behind Derrick Henry. Um, I think he's behind. Well, we'll see what happens with Cooper Cup's injury, but he'd be behind Cooper Cup for me, too. Um, This may sound crazy. Is he behind Kenneth Walker? Man, good question. Um, Probably not, but that might just be I'm just I'm not I'm not living in the moment enough. Um, and, and Taylor Taylor might go, and then Walker might be like the next pick of the pick after. I mean, they might go very close yeah, to each other. He's definitely he's definitely like in that tier of dudes. How about um, Kamara? You take Kamara before Taylor? No, just because I still I'm still a little freaked out about the lack of goal line work, and yeah. and I think the pass game will be a little hit or miss. Even even though obviously I agree with your point about um, Andy Dalton being better for him, but like, would you take would you take Jonathan Taylor ahead of um, Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook or Josh Jacobs? Or Josh Jake, yeah, I mean, but that so basically we're saying like early second, late first. It's one of those things where Taylor could go in the first, but he might not go in the first. And even in the second round, you might think like the, the, the manager might be like, "Well, I have to take Jonathan Taylor. He's here. Why is he here in the second yeah. round?" I can tell myself a story where he's a top three running back. Yeah, but pretty much all those guys you mentioned. You mentioned Nick Chubb. He's wonderful. He's he's never going to get that much work in the pass game, and he's tied to an offense that right now is is piloted by Jacoby Brissett. You know, that caps that that has to have some limit. I don't think Nick Chubb can ever be the number one fantasy running back as great as he is. He's just not in the right infrastructure, right? In the, or I will say infrastructure. You'd say ecosystem. You mark your bingo <laughs> cards appropriately. Please don't. But, please don't. Uh, please don't drink when I say ecosystem. That is not a. And also, anyway. to be fair to Taylor, the the Colts line, which I thought was a plus into the season, has yeah. not played well at all. No, and I think that's a big reason Matt Ryan is not the starting quarterback of no, this for team sure. They can't, they can't have a statue. They don't. They can't protect no. him well enough to do that. They absolutely cannot. And last thing before we go, just one last shout out to Taylor Heineke for bringing Terry McLaurin back into our lives. Man, I mean, he was pretty buried with Carson Wentz there, but my God, you know, I don't know if Carson Wentz. Like, I think Taylor Heineke is just a better quarterback than Carson Wentz because, like. Yeah, he'll make some big time mistakes. Wentz is more theoretically talented, but those guys love Taylor Heineke. They were all gassed up for him at the end, and he just like stays. I wouldn't say he stays calm in the eye of the storm, but he will drive through. He will sail through the eye of the storm, whereas Wentz will not. Yeah, the, the great thing about Heineke is, no matter how poor the last three or four passes he's thrown may have been, he'll he'll still believe that he yes. can tight window throw the fifth one. And I, I will always <laughs> believe Terry McLaurin, man. I will always believe if he had a to do the career over and landed like a top five, top six offense, he'd be like in the Pro Bowl every year or whatever they're calling the Pro Bowl now. Like it would be like a like a Hall of Fame candidate. I I, th- I think he's a special player who's just been held back by his ecosystem, to use your word. Yeah, I mean, he is 
I, I've made the comp this offseason. I feel the exact same way. And, you know, we're watching Stefan Diggs catch an unbelievable touchdown on on Sunday Night Football. Like he's the uh, he's the unrescued Stefan Diggs. We're like everybody agreed Stefan Diggs was a good player in Minnesota. But like it's I was like, I'm telling you, this guy is not a good player. He's an elite receiver. You just don't know it because everybody perceives quarter perceives everybody perceives wide receiver play based on their quarterback and based on the environment that they're in. And that is so the case with Terry McLaurin, man. It's like I'm telling you, this guy could be an elite receiver if he was with Josh Allen, if he was with Aaron Rodgers. I love Rogers, that. I love that. He's, the, he's the, like an unrescued player like Stefan Diggs. I think that's so well put. But at least, yeah. at least, because he's not going to get rescued this year. At least he's semi rescued, because you know, you know, he's on Gilligan's Island right now, and here's Taylor Heineke, and he doesn't really have any great solution. But he's got like a rowboat, yeah. you know. He's basically in the Taylor Heineke rowboat, so th- that's something, right? It's something. It's it's better than sinking on the the Wentz ship or whatever like that. So that, yeah, that, that Wentz ship had hit the iceberg and was going down. Oh, yeah. So Terry oh, yeah, McLaurin yeah. is back above water, which which hey, you take what you can get, right? You know, you can't always get what you want, but you, you you try sometimes, you might get what you need. Maybe Taylor Heineke is what Terry McLaurin needed to get back in our fantasy good graces. So we got that. We got that. And, um, you know, A.J. Brown, too. I know we're just, now we're just running long at this point, but I'm just going to say A.J. Brown is like, I think the Steph, that's the same thing as the Stephon Diggs trade, right? Where A.J. Brown, I think everybody universally yes. agreed, good player, but you talk about him as a top five receiver, like, it's a hundred percent. He was always been a top five talent. That's always been on film. Now it's going to be apparent because the numbers are going to be there and he's going to play in big games. With the Philadelphia Eagles as the centerpiece of their offense. And now the um, Titans had to have to see if their Justin Jefferson gamble works out because they took Traylon Burks in the first round. Like they have to see if that part of it works out. Cause that's why nobody like slams the Vikings for trading Stefan Dix. Cause they hit a home. They hit a grand slam home for run. Sure. Uh, with Justin Jefferson with their pick to replace him. Now we'll see if the Titans uh, work out. But hey, they keep winning regardless, so who cares? And with all this McLaurin talk and all this A.J. Brown talk, of course, I'm triggered. I have to mention. Yeah. <laughs> Nikhil Harry scored a touchdown today. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. I, I thought of you and I was like, well, you know, maybe maybe Scott won't uh, be crying about Darius Slayton on the podcast, but you still brought Slayton up Darius looked Slayton. Slayton looked good. Slayton looked good. He made yeah, a he really nice contested catch in the second half. Of the- I, I, I look. Saying you're the best receiver on the 2022 New York Giants is no special <laughs> thing right now, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm better than the you know whatever's left of Kenny Galladay. I'm better than Kadarius Tony, who I you know excited to see what he might do now that he's on a team that doesn't dislike him so much. But uh, I've been a Nikhil Harry critic. I know he's a good blocker. He scored a nice touchdown today. So here's to you, Nikhil Harry. You, you outproduced Debo Samuel today. I mean, Debo didn't play, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you got past him. So the the arrow is pointing up, right? The arrow is pointing up on Nikhil Harry. So we got that. There we go. All right. Now that we're deep into Nikhil Harry talk and all that, yeah, I think that's yeah. definitely producer John is like, yeah, wrap this up. Boys. He's like, gotta be uh, just screaming about us on the other end of this. So uh, certainly, I think that is going to do it for us. Hell of a show. Appreciate it, Scott. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there. Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show and want to support us, we would love it if you left a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Our royal favorite, Andy Barons, will be back with some waiver wire pickup recommendations tomorrow morning. Until then, we're out.